Well, as Gail and I were driving in uh, this evening, um, I said to her, I'm going to be doing something tonight that I've uh, never done before. I'll be preaching from the 150 Psalms. And she gasped a little bit. <laughs> um, do you, does, does everyone have um, an outline? Uh, it would really be helpful for you to have that uh, this evening. Um, that's great. We're, we're, we're going to be... Um, the, the origin of this message comes from Psalm 72. So let me read uh, just the first seven verses and the last three verses of, of Psalm 72 at this time. Psalm 72. Uh, please turn with me to that passage. Psalm 72. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity uh, for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people and give deliverance to the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. May they fear you while the sun endures, as long as the moon throughout all generations May he be like rain that falls on mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In the days may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. And then um, verses 17 through 20. May his name endure forever, his fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him, all nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. Uh, Pray with me, please. God and Father, we ask that in these moments this evening, you would um, cause um, the praise of Jesus to rise from our hearts. May we get a glimpse of the sweep of the book of Psalms uh, so that we may know him, our king, and know his kingdom uh, more uh, intimately, more accurately tonight. And then walk out of here with confidence and joy in Jesus. Um, May the glory of Christ not be lost in details tonight. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We are breaking tonight uh, from uh, preaching on a psalm uh, to consider the entire book. Uh, Now, you may have your favorite psalms, I have my favorite psalms, but we think about the sweep of the psalms in general, the book of the psalms, we can think very random. We don't really have much to string it on to understand the sweep of the Psalms. Is the book of Psalms going anywhere? Or is it simply a hodgepodge of various Psalms that we don't really deal with or or see uh, what the Spirit is doing throughout the book of the Psalms? So we want to get a sense of the whole book to see how it all fits together. And the reason that I've been prompted to do that tonight is that I was intending to preach on all of Psalm 72, but was struck by the very last verse. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. And then, book three. And I wonder if you had thoughts 
about that. Book two, book three, um, and that these are called the prayers of David. Um, oddly, however, it's not just David that is, uh, that is writing these psalms in this particular book. Let's want to look at some of those questions and see in particular the sweep and how it is that we interpret, interpret the psalms in a way that reflects the glory of Christ. Well, as we look at verse 20, we can consider then immediately that they were arranged thus far, up to this point, uh, through the 72nd Psalm, uh, before the rest of the collection was assembled. The Psalms of David are ending. Yet, as I said, not all of these are written by David. There are psalms by, in, in this section, this second book. Some are by Korah, some by the sons of Korah, some by Asaph, some, and this one by Solomon. And then after 72, after Psalm 72, there are still 18 more psalms by David. So the arrangement of the Psalter is something that happened over time. David himself wrote many of the Psalms around, around the year 1000 BC. Others were written as late as uh, during and then right after the captivity, 500 years later. Someone had to arrange them. Uh, someone had to collect them and put them in order, sort them uh, into these five books as led, I would say, as led by the Holy Spirit. And I say someone had to do this, and we don't know who. I want, I want to show you just one of the little indicators of the order and the preciousness of the order that was intentional in collecting these psalms together. I want to read several verses that happen to be the very last verses, the concluding verses of each one of the five books. And each book then ends with praise. Listen to this. Psalm 41.13 Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and Amen. Psalm 72, 18 and 19. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be His glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with His glory. Amen and Amen. Psalm 89, 52. Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and Amen. Psalm 106, 48. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say, Amen, praise the Lord. And then finally, the last psalm, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Uh, Praise the Lord. They're collected. They're put together. Their goal is to lead us in worship. And yet, the theme, there is a theme that is discernible for each one of these five books. Now, as we look through this, I'm going to pick some, some, I'm going to select some psalms that clearly uh, indicate what, what I believe, as I follow, honestly, as I follow Bob Godfrey in this situation, but what I believe each of those sections is really indicating. Let's start then with book one, and on your outline you see book one, one through forty-one, and then a title. And in the subsequent ones, you'll see a little, a little parenthesis, uh, book 2, 42 to 72, 31. That's the number of psalms in book 2. Right now, obviously, 41 in book 1. And the theme, as I understand it, in this book 1 is, is the king's confidence in God's care. The king's confidence in God's care. Now, 
Before we get into the meat of this particular book, we have two introductory psalms. Psalm 1 is actually more, uh, almost more of a proverb. It is describing the path of wisdom and the path of righteousness. If you follow this path, you, there will be blessing. And then also a warning about wickedness. If you choose this path, there, where there will be destruction. That is a general theme that, of course, runs not just through the psalms, but all of Scripture. And then, and then Psalm 2, setting up, again, the entire book of Psalms. Psalm 2 says the whole earth and all of history is under the authority of the Messianic King. So there's going to be wisdom, there's going to be righteousness, there's going to be trust in the Messianic King. At the outset, Psalms 1 and 2. The King's confidence in God's care. Both King and the people are in distress in many of these Psalms. But even so, there is confidence and praise. The king and the people are distressed, but there's still confidence and praise. You may choose to flip with me through these psalms. I'll be in 16 and 17 just for a moment. But Psalm 16 uh, talks about the refuge that we have in God. Just verses 1 through 3. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints who are in the land, these are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The king finds refuge in God in his character, in his covenant promises. And yet we see in the 17th Psalm, verses 8 and 9, it is even though, even though enemies surround him, there's pressure, there is opposition from the outside. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings from the wicked who do me violence, my dead, deadly enemies who surround me. So the king, speaking for his people as well, under pressure and yet gaining confidence in God's care. Well, book, book two of Psalms 42 to 72, 31 of these, the king's commitment to God's kingdom. Uh, the king is upholding God's ways. Look with me, you may flip over to 44. Uh, the, king's, um, the king upholds God's ways and, and God's people um, in his city. Psalm 44 is representative, and I choose that because Psalm 44 is unique in that it is describing suffering that the people are going through, but but uniquely uh, in verse 17, all this had come upon us, though he had not forgotten you and not been false to your covenant. So the king will remain committed to the kingdom of God even when the details of life are confusing and, and pressing down on him. I don't understand why you're not faithful to us. You're not providing the kind of security that we would like. Listen to this, Psalm 44. Even though they're going through great suffering and for no apparent reason, there is turmoil, there is agony in this psalm, but it concludes gloriously in verse 26. Rise up, come to our help, redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. Even in the midst of the psalmist and the king's agony, he rests in the steadfast love of God. The king's commitment to God's kingdom, even when it is confusing. And life continues to be confusing. In book 3, verse, uh, Psalms 73 to 89, there are 17 uh, in this book. And this is the king's crisis over God's promises. 
Uh, God seems to have failed Israel's king and Israel. And you and I can experience times, we can point to times in our own lives where it has seemed that way. And we'll look at two Psalms here, 73, uh, Psalm 73. Um, in this in this wonderful psalm, uh, the righteous are wrestling with envy, and what stirs up their envy is that they have been, and that we could say we have been faithful to God. We've we've been doing our best by the grace of God and through the Spirit, and and yet there are people who who rail against God and who are more comfortable in this life than we are. Their lives seem to be going better than ours, ours are. So they wrestle with envy for the wicked. Their life is easy. And finally, we get to the culmination in, in verses 23 to 26. You defeat envy by, by satisfaction in God. Listen to these words. You, you probably, you may even know them. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my life, my heart, and my portion forever. The king's crisis over God's promises. Psalm 88 It's suffering again. It, it, it's, it's the stress and the, and the challenges of living in this fallen world again. But in this case, there isn't even a beautiful ending. The psalm goes on in, in unrelenting ex- explanations or examples of suffering and indicating to us that suffering is not only confusing, but it can go on for a long time. It can last a long time without relief. There are hints that God is still the faithful God who will restore. We see in the first, it opens up Psalm 88.1, O Lord, God of my salvation. Let's start there. That's a good place to start. He is still the God of my salvation. And verse 6, you are the one who's put me in the depths of the pit. Presumably you also can get me out. So even in the stress expressed by Psalm 88, he has a Godward look. The king's crisis over God's promises, I'm not going to let him go. He's not going to let me go. Book 4, uh, 90, Psalms 90 to 106, also 17 uh, in this, in this um, grouping, this book. The king's comfort in God's faithfulness. Here, many of these psalms are, are um, professing and, and, and celebrating the, the comfort that people find in God who is the Creator and He's also our covenant God. He's the one who has made all things and He has entered into covenant relationship with His sinful people. Psalm 90, for example, there's a buoyancy about it. There's a worship about it. Verses 1 and 2 and then also 14. This is the only psalm uh, contained in the Psalter that we know of by, by Moses. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. Satisfy us, verse 14, in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. God the Creator, the covenant God, 
is one who has also made himself available to satisfy our hearts. What a wonderful thing. And then, and then the historical Psalms, Psalms 104, 105, and 106, much longer. And interestingly, they're packaged together just about, I would say, in order to, in order to support the idea that God as creator will still sustain not only his world, but me in it. Uh, Psalm 104, just verses 1 and 2. Oh, bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. He will sustain his creation. And here, I think, and I think Herman Bobbing helps us to see this a little bit, that general revelation, that what we observe of God in the world strengthens our confidence in special revelation, in the, in the truthfulness of God's Word. And then special revelation also gives us eyes to understand more deeply the revelation of God in general revelation. And that's what Psalm 104 um, is, is doing. And then Psalm 105 speaks about God's saving work in his, in saving his, his, uh, covenant people. It's a song. Psalm 105 is an extended song about Abraham, God's calling Abraham, and God's, and then it moves into the story of Joseph, where God's people are going down to Egypt, and then they're, they're singing about, uh, about the, the, the plagues and the exodus. It, it's a recounting of God's, of God's redemption. Sing it, people. Sing it. And, and I notice every Sunday night, I notice when we're singing here, when we're going through, the, you choose hymns that celebrate the person and work of Jesus Christ. Invariably. The love and the steadfast love. His eye is on the sparrow. If he sees a sparrow and cares... How much more, you and me. We gravitate to these stories. But there's also, in Psalm 106, there's also a very real accounting of of men's rebellion, Israel's rebellion. It's the story of the wilderness rebellion. And at the end of this long, detailed psalm of rebellion, we are trained to pray and sing, remember your covenant. Even when we're unfaithful, remember your covenant. And then book five, 107 to 150, 44, the longest of the, of the, uh, of the, of the books. Um, God's celebration, or the king's celebration of God's salvation. Um, glorious. Uh, 107, uh, 107, one and two. Um, all right, we're going to celebrate God's salvation. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. You know what your next response is? You know what you're to do next? After that praise, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. You've been saved. Let it be on your lips. You've been rescued by God's mercy. Let it be on your lips as you speak to one another. And then the songs of ascents uh, in 120 to 132. They are the psalms that are being sung while the people are journeying up to the temple in Jerusalem. That upward climb to the very presence of God in Zion, while which we also sing on our way to glory. Those psalms, those psalms of ascents. And, and then Psalm 136. All right, we're celebrating God in His salvation. Psalm 136. 
there are declarations of God's saving work, and then the chorus is. Do you remember what the chorus is in Psalm 136? That is repeated and repeated and repeated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let his steadfast love endure forever. Let his steadfast love endure forever. Let his steadfast love endure forever. Even, remember, uh, Andrew taught us this one a few weeks ago, uh, even in Babylon, Psalm 137, that where they long for Jerusalem. I need to know, in, Jer- in, in Babylon, separated from, from the holy city, I need to know the steadfast love of God. And then the conclusion of the book uh, in Psalms 40, 146 and 150. Um, the, this is not... This is not this is not arbitrary. This is each of those Psalms, 146, 7, 8, 9, and 50, each one of them begins with the phrase, praise the Lord, and each one of them ends with the word, praise the Lord. The culmination of our journey to, as we're, as we're on our way to the, to Mount Zion, keep praise on your lips. Even though you struggle in this life, keep praise on your lips. Now that's a quick sweep of, of um, my take on the structure of the Psalms. An exercise for you to, to, to take now is, is try to locate some of your faves in, in, this, in this framework and see how they fit in. See how they fit in. And, and see whether you can even understand more about your favorite Psalm as you see it located on this map. That's the setup of the Psalms. And as I said, I do thank uh, Robert Godfrey for for many of those insights. (laughs) Um, And now there's an interpret as something that uh, will help us to interpret the Psalms better. uh, We've seen much of Israel's king as ruler and as the representative of God's people. And yet we want to be able to interpret these Psalms so they make sense for us today. And especially we want to be able to locate Jesus in these Psalms. And so we remember the rule from Luke uh, 24, 44, where Jesus is saying, um, everything that is written of me in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms have to be fulfilled. In other words, we can expect fulfillment uh, in these Psalms that speak of him, always speak of him, but also he is the speaker of these Psalms as he's leading the congregation in worship. I want to thank Dave Pallison for this illustration coming up. I want you to imagine uh, that uh, back in 1905 uh, that uh, God promised your uh, great-great-grandparents that one day he would give your de- uh, those, their descendants, that would be you, give uh, their descendants um, a, a Model T Ford. And, and not only that, a, a communication system using Morse code. And then, and then a, a propeller-driven biplane. Back in 1905, God is pressing, is 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 promising your um, your um, ancestors those three rich blessings: a Model T Ford, a Morse code device, and a little prop biplane. Now, those are great things. They are they are, they are cutting edge. Technology. Who wouldn't want them? But when he chooses to deliver to you, he doesn't give you a Model T Ford. He gives you a Dodge Viper. 
And he doesn't give you a, a, a little box that, that is, communicates by Morse code. He gives you a smartphone that is connected to the worldwide web. And you can ask it, Siri, who won the World Series in 2019? Come on. little reaction here. <laughs> okay. Thank you. You're alive. <laughs> and, and you don't get a biplane. You get an F-117 stealth fighter. Okay? You see, the promise is fulfilled, but in ways far beyond your imagination. They are recognizable, but so much better. And it struck me this morning when Andrew was preaching about, uh, about something called uh, dispensational, I've mentioned that a little bit, that um, many, many even today would admit that the Dodge Viper is a great car and even more glorious say, than a Model T, but God still prefers the older model and can't wait to bring that one back. We don't have to go back there. We can stick with the, the better. And that's why I wanted to title Psalm 72, The Perfect King. The perfect, perfect King. And I want to take just a few minutes to take a look at Psalm 72. First of all, uh, you... Uh, <laughs> you may notice that there are no quotations of Psalm 72 in the New Testament. But our hymns do an absolutely wonderful job of finding the fulfillment of Jesus in this psalm. And, and I, want, I, I think I will preach on this in a, in a few weeks in the evening, but the outline is just this. God's abundant kingdom, that's verses 1 through 7, and that yields shalom now. God's abundant kingdom, um, using pictures in the psalm there of, of Solomon and, and his reign and his bringing, uh, bringing justice to the people and, and, uh, and, yet, and yet pointing also to Jesus. We'll look at that in a moment. And then the second section, verses 8 through 14, the king's rule grows. And, and I do want you to look at this. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, no, notice that right in the middle of that section, verses 8 through 14, that verse, uh, verse 8 speaks of the dominion of, uh, will, will be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth, and all the nations will come and bow down before him. But look at the first word in verse, in verse 12. This is really explaining the engine behind the kingdom growing from, uh, across the world. For he delivers the needy when he calls. The poor and him who has no helper. God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, is, is rescuing, is redeeming the broken down people, the, the poor and, and the needy and the helpless. He saves the lives of any, every one of us here can be encouraged by that. The kingdom moves forward by rescuing broken people. And then verses 15 to 20, the king's glorious future, uh, this, this drips with language that speaks of this is much better than Solomon could ever do. This is much, much more powerful. This is eternal and this is, this is amazing. And one thing, for example, that you see here is there will be an abundance of grain in the land. On the tops of the mountains may it wave. Everybody knows 
that, that trees grow on the lower part of the mountains, and, and then small trees in the middle strata, and, and then scrub pines a little bit higher, and then up top it's nothing but rock and, and maybe some hardy grasses. Everybody knows that. But the psalmist says, no, there's going to be grain flowing from the tops of the mountains. That's how great your king is. So it is a picture of the king's glorious future. But he's giving us hope now. He's giving us glimpses of it now. Now what I want to do then is I'd like you to open up your hymnals to Psalm 441. Psalm 441. We did uh, sing this earlier, this Isaac Watts hymn. And... um, I had read verses 1 through 4, uh, 1 through 7 a little bit earlier to set the stage. But what I would like to do is I'm going to, I'm going to read uh, one stanza, the first stanza of this psalm. And then I'm going to read from uh, this, this, uh, um, it's the hymn, Jesus Shall Reign. And then I'm going to read verses 5 and 8 uh, uh, from the hymnal, or from the psalm, uh, uh, psalm uh, 72. And just see, See the way um, Isaac Watts um, takes the Model T Ford as it is laid out here in Psalm 72 and injects it with all kinds of Dodge Viper horsepower. Stanza 1 uh, from, on 441. Jesus shall reign where'er the sun does his successive journeys run. His kingdom stretch from shore to shore till moons shall wax and wane no more. And then flip over to the psalm, psalm, uh, verses uh, 5 and 8. May they fear you while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. And verse 8. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Taking that psalm and injecting it with the person of Jesus. Look with me at, again, the second stanza of this psalm. It's going to be about Jesus. It's going to be something about him. Uh, uh, 441, Jesus shall reign, verse 2. To him, to him shall endless prayer be made, and praises throng throng to crown his head. His name, like sweet perfume, uh, shall rise with every morning sacrifice. To him shall endless prayer be made. Look with me at verse 15. Long may he live. May gold of the gold of Shiva be given to him. May prayer be made for him continually. Isaac Watts understands that we're not we're now praying um, not for the king, but the king is praying for us, and we are praying to the king. And then verse uh, 4 of uh, Isaac Watts' hymn. Um, Blessings abound where'er he reigns. The prisoner leaps to lose his chains. The weary find eternal rest. And all the, all the sons of want are blessed. L- look at me with me at verses 12 through 14 of the psalm. This is what Isaac Watts describes that the spiritual blessings we have, prisoners set free in our redemption, once under the control of evil, now set free. Listen, for he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. 
From oppression and violence, he redeems their life, and precious is their blood um, in his sight. Well, I'd like us now to turn to 311. This is another one of the great um, hymns uh, in the Trinity hymnal that, that take these words from Psalm 72 and inject it with the reality of Jesus Christ. I want to, um, let, let me read from, uh, from verse 8 through 20 um, uh, of the psalm, Psalm 72, and then we will stand and we will sing together um, number 311. We'll, we'll do it this way. Psalm 72, beginning at verse 8. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down for him and all nations serve him. For he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence, he redeems their life, and precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May the gold of Sheba be given to him. May prayer be made for him continually, and blessings invoked for him all the day. May there be abundance of grain in the land. On the tops of the mountains may it wave. May its fruit be like Lebanon, and may people blossom in its in the cities like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever, his fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him, all nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. Let's uh, stand and sing 311 together in conclusion.